the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, coming at you, feeling renewed. Uh, got a chance to sit in some 100-degree weather. And, uh, you know, that, that if you know me, I was in heaven. I was down in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, attending uh, my homecoming. And uh, and so at the walk-in, a mile to get to the stadium, I got up in there, and I don't know what it was really. And the, the, the temperature was 100, got up to 103, but they said it was hotter in the stadium because of the aluminum seats and, uh, you know, just reflecting something back. I enjoyed it, man. I was be out there to be walking and breathing hot air again, man. It was it was a joy, man. My, my buddies looked at me like I was crazy. I said, "You just don't know where I came from and where I'm going." <laughs> I said, "Until you know where a person comes from or where they're going, you don't really you can't really judge where they are." And, um, that, and that's what I want to talk to you today about in the discipleship process. You know, sometimes we look at people and we say, "Man, their lives are all messed up." And, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they they usually change when they find somebody worse than them. When they look at an individual and say, dang, it doesn't want to be like if I keep doing this. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, I know that's what helped me stop uh, drinking, you know, is that, you know, I, I met this guy and it was like, I said, that's what I'm going to be like. I mean, he was like 50, 55, and I was like 23. And this guy was like, you know, just or, you know, you smell like alcohol. I mean, it's like in your body, your bloodstream. You, you take a shower and come out and people still, who been drinking? You know what I mean? Because it's just so much in there. Can't can't get up. You can't be, if you have a drink. I never smoked cigarettes. So it wasn't that kind of draw. But, you know, the, the drink was a, 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 was a stronghold in my life. But when I saw somebody just as bad as me, I realized I don't quit soon. I ain't going to have no children to raise. I said <laughs> They won't even know who I am. I'll be another personality. So that that's what that's what usually makes people change. And I hear the testimony all the time as a pastor is that when people see somebody, you know, and that and that's the road they're on and they see they're gonna be like that, it usually makes them want to change. Now wanting to change and actually changing is two different things. Wanting to change and actually changing is two different things. So it's not like a person finds their their uh their recovery or their deliverance, you know, by looking at this person. No, no, it just, it's just it's something that makes you want to change. It's something that gets you in that position. And so in, in the discipleship process, especially what 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 I deal with in an urban context, uh, is that people are, they're, uh, how should I say, they're more, 
they have stories. They have stories. They have stories, some that they can't really talk about because of the nature of the story, uh, you know, legal issues, other things like that being involved. But but they have stories. And the thing about it is sometimes those stories haunt them. And they don't believe that they can become a Christian. You know what I mean? Because there ain't no way where God's going to forgive me for what I've done. You know, you know, you know it just ain't no way. And you got to fight that battle to get a person to come to that point to realize that, that you know, sin is sin. You know, uh, whether you stole a bubble gum or a billion dollars, it's still sin. So we can't put degrees on sin. You know, we just have to know that things are sin. If I put somebody in jail for 20 years for stealing a pack of gum, you say that's overkill. You know what I mean? You know, that, that even though that person is guilty, the, the it now comes into a point of, of uh, you know, what is the punishment? And we can't value things like that. That's that's something that the reason why even back in uh, when God first set up his, his, his kingdom, he told us that we have to allow for us to hear the voice of God. So a judge had to be able to hear the voice of God. We don't have that today. You know, we have the outline or the shell of what God set up through Moses, but we don't actually follow it because we try, try to get it done by taking God out of the picture. You can't take God out of the picture. It's just not going to happen. And you have to understand that that's, that he's ever, he's the all-well, all-knowing, all all-seeing, all-powerful God. You know what I mean? That, that you, you have to give him his props and what he does. And in order to have a relationship with him, you have to go through his son, Jesus Christ. And and, and the thing about it is that Jesus becomes that, that physical, spiritual manifestation of God when you first come into the kingdom. You know, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man come to the kingdom unless they come through me, right? And we have a lot of different ways out there. People say you can get to God. You know, some say take this road, uh, road of meditation. Other one, strict discipline. The other one, this and other one, that. And, and, and God himself is saying, the way you get to me is through Jesus. And sometimes we forget that Jesus is not our final resting place. You know, when we come into the kingdom, we get a relationship with Jesus. Now that sets us up for the true relationship, the one with the Father. And I think we forget about that sometimes, that, you know, that, that the reason why we came to Jesus was to get to the Father. You know, people say, well, you know, a lot of people come to Jesus to avoid hell. And, and that's true, you can do that. But the reason why you're going to hell is because you don't have a relationship with God. And, and Jesus is trying to set you up with that relationship with God. And, uh, and so we got to understand something that when we come into the kingdom, our journey is not over. Our journey is just starting because now we have not only a relationship with Jesus, we also have a relationship with the comforter. And most importantly, we have our relationship with the father, you know, and that, that, that keeps us busy, right? We don't have time for gossip and slander and everything like that. That's enough to keep you busy right there. And I think the reason why we struggle so much with people wanting to come into the church, the church is not doing their part, you know, instead of the church being, um, Get a little sticky here. Instead of the church being uh, God's answer, right? When people pray and want a decision, the church becomes God's answer. You know, in uh, in Exodus chapter three, uh, Mo- Moses was uh, given a commission to go and talk to Pharaoh, 
and show him some things. And uh, he said, tell my people this. I have seen their afflictions and I have heard their cries and I have come down to deliver them. Moses didn't say, well, that's cool. I, I'm just going to go back over here with my wife and kids. Keep leaving my sheep since you're coming down to deliver them. You know, God didn't come down to deliver them. He worked through Moses. He worked through that willing vessel that was there. He worked through Moses. Understand that. And, and but Moses had to be prepared and had a level of understanding of what God was going to do through him. You know, I mean, you know, the good thing about Moses, he just never doubted the same thing, you know, more, more than once. When he did do that, it got him into trouble and he couldn't really see the promised land. You know, and so going back to God seeing their affliction and hurt their cry, you know, they had been in the Egypt estate for over 400 years. Over 400 years. They went in there with 60 people, 60, 70 people, and they were up to millions, you know, in 400 years. They were, some, they were saying, oh, happy day. We're not practicing no abstinence down here. You know, they were fruitful and multiplying. You know what I mean? And and, and, that, and that's okay, you know, because that's what God wanted. He wanted them to, to be fruitful. He wanted them to multiply. You know, and when Pharaoh saw that they were multiplying, he wanted them to be stopped. He wanted them to stop birthing babies because that numbers gave them power. And uh, and he said, you know, just tell you know, when the male is born, kill it. Why kill the male and keep the female? Because the male has the sperm. It really puts it plants the baby inside the woman. So you know, it it was just well, it was cruel. What they did, I mean, and, and Israel had babies, and Israel had to follow the script and let them know that we're not violating anything. They just come so fast. The, the the Hebrew babies come so fast. By the time we get there, they're born. And this was the midwives, you know, just saying why they why they weren't killing them because they had God had spoke to them and right? said, "Leave, you know, my children alone." And they did that because of what God said to them and what they had done. And so here you have. Um, a, a really a, a prophetic thing of what's happening today. You know, when we look at in India and China, they became world powers because of their population. You know, when you rock, when you rocking over a billion people, you know what I mean? If that means people come to you and they use your labor because your labor is cheap. Cause you got, you know, you can't be picky when it's a billion of y'all looking for a job. And, and so that, so you had that dynamic that was going on. And so China, <laughs> China would, when people gave them stuff to build, they'll build their stuff plus build something else, a knockoff, so they can make money. India went strictly on the education route, you know, sending people to colleges all across the world uh, to get now, you know, they noted for their IT computer program and things like that. Uh, that's what they noted for. You know, you, you know that when you make that phone call to get help and you hear that voice from India, you go like, oh no. This is going to be a long phone call. You know, because depending on what part of America you're from, you usually speak a different version of English. You know what I mean? That's what's so frustrating with people about the English language. They say it's the hardest language to learn because you go to different parts of the United States. Definition of word, words change. Um, you know, the pronouncing changes. And it's, 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 a, it's a whole hard catchphrase to get a hold to. You know, so you here you are having these people who for 400 years, they've been raised in Egypt for generations. By all counts and things, they're Egyptian and how they react. 
you know, I tell kids a lot of times, I say, you're an American. You know, you may be of African descent. You may be of Mexican, Puerto Rican, you know, uh, Jamaican, you know, uh, you know, not, but I would say, you know, the country, China, Japanese, you may be from that descent. And be, but for all counts, you're an American because you really don't know anything about your history, where you come from. You know, I always ask kids this question, uh, what are the colors of the African-American flag? They look at me like, red, white, and blue? Uh, I don't know. I didn't know we had a flag. Then I say, what do those colors mean? You know what the colors mean? And they go like, no. I say, okay, name the African-American national anthem. Just give me a name. Don't know, right? Don't know. You know, and I'm not gonna say it on the show. I want you to go find out for yourself. But how can you say you're African American when you don't know nothing about what you believe? It's like people who come over here and immigrate, immigrants. They have to learn all this stuff about the U.S. Yes, how 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 the Senate is set up, how Congress is set up, what the process of a bill, what's the process of an appeal. You know, when you go into court, this, that everybody's role. They learn all this thing. I take a test. To come in here and be a part of this country. But the average American, because we're born here, we didn't take that test. You know what I mean? And, and we're shouting at these folks, and we don't even know what we believe or how we got it. You know, we're just shouting at these people, making them look bad, when really it's us who should be looking bad because of where we are and what we're doing. So you, you come into this, this, this place where God lays out, uh, you know, his, his, his way I want y'all to live. This is the way my people are going to live. This is what's going to set us apart from everybody else. This, this is what's going to be done. You know, what's going, what's going to make us legendary, anything like that. And he did this so that we can make, he can make sure that, that uh, his people function in the way that he needed them to. You know, and some laws he knew would fade away because, you know, once you, they just were temporary. And others, you know, would come in and last a lifetime. But either one and what it does, you have to ask yourself this question, you know, is this God's way or is it my way? You know, I had this T-shirt design in my head. It's not your way, but Yahweh's. And uh, and that's what you have to ask yourself and look at is, is it Yahweh? So when we look at situations we encounter, I said all this to come back to this. When we look at situations we encounter in life, when you look at something happening, how do you react? What is the church's role? How does the church react? What, what, how do they put feet to this thing so the problem can be solved? Not just debating about it and, and talking about it and everything like that. But, you know, how do we come in and be God's answer? Right. People are crying out. Why God? Why God? Why is this happening to me? You know, why did my baby get shot? You know, oh, God, God, why? Why? Why do we have to live in this neighborhood? Why can't we live in a good neighborhood? You know, when you asking all these questions and they ask them, what? Is the answer? Is God not answering prayer? No, God works through. He works through us. He works through us. We're God's answer. But if we're not tuned into Him, right? To, to know that when He says, "Hey, Joe, I need you to be the answer for this this situation that's developing over on Fourth Street. I need you to be the answer for that." And you know, but I'm I'm going about my automatic religious thing you know Sunday I go to church and if you're real good you got Sunday night service at your church where you can come back and you know really worship the Lord you know what I mean Sunday night services are fading 
That's people barely go to Sunday morning, right? Then you got some midweek service on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you go in there and do some things. And you work that way. How can you be God's answer? What does God's answer look like when he cries out and be an answer? How can the church be God's answer? Right? We're going to talk about that after we get out from the break. Stay smooth, stay cool. My DJ Eric is in there rocking it. Church, impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities, emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beaver and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible Teachers and Ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hey, welcome back. You listen to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, and uh, we're talking about today uh, God's answer. What is, who is God's answer? Right? So, I said we're going to talk about this. All right? So, Moses kind of figured out when God said, and tell him, I have come down to deliver him, that, that he had to put in some work. Right? He had to put in some work. And he had to do what God wanted him to do. So God, God's answer could manifest itself upon the earth. Uh, I remember answering a call one time uh, that God had. And, man, it was a supernatural call. I, You know, I told my pastor. I was a single guy. I just told him. We was, a, we was a large church. I said, if anybody ever needs a ride home, pastor, I would do it. Because a lot of people would come to church because we had a radio ministry. And then they couldn't get back home. The buses stopped running way out there. And so literally they came to me and said, Pastor wants you to take this guy home. I said, I thought it was a delight. Get to do a little ministry, everything like that. And I almost had left, but I hung around uh, till the end, you know, of, of everything. Whenever I was leaving, I, I was hung around just there. So I just, you know, talking, helping people put stuff away, helping the janitor. And so me hanging around, left the opportunity for me to get this guy a ride. And so we rode, and he stayed, literally. If you know Houston, this, this guy, we were in southwest Houston. I had to take this guy all the way to northeast Houston. I put, man, uh, round tripping getting back home, I put like 79, 80 miles on my car. Because, you know, I I mean, I live I lived away from the church. So it, it was easy one way, almost a 50-mile drive. Right? Like I was leaving out of town. Felt like packing a lunch. But in that drive, we got to talking. He was a college student at University of Houston, and we got to talking. And 
I introduced him to some campus ministries that I knew that were there from some guys I knew who worked out there, and he was happy for that. But in just in our conversation, it, it 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 we bonded in the car because you know he had been asking God some questions, and guess what? I have been studying those very verses. You know, you get the people ask you a question about a verse, you can't find a verse. You know, because the Bible is so big. But I, that's what I was studying. And I was like, dude, I said I was studying that. And God knew I had to study that to be his answer. You know what I mean? And so me obeying God by studying those particular scriptures, hanging around, you know, and then making myself available, you know, to the church office, anybody that I would do things like that, you know, became a way for me to answer this guy's prayer. I can't tell you how many times I had a question for God in my young days as a believer. And I get on the radio, driving around my radio, listening to Christian radio, and somebody comes on there with the answer to my question. I said, only God could have had this show played at this time with this subject, everything like that, to answer my question. I said, God, you really love me, you know, because you answered my question. And what we have to understand is the question wouldn't have never got answered if you hadn't been obedient to be on the radio in the first place you know, and the pay, because I sure wasn't paying, but somebody was paying, somebody was paying money for me to get there. And those radio personalities were able to be my answer to what I was going through. You know what I mean? Or, you know, once one of my mentors called me up, man, at a low point, man, he called me right on time. He said, Joe, Lord told me to give you a call. What's going on? Man, and I just broke and just started letting it out. You know, because he was God's answer, because I was there questioning something. So what we have to understand is in order for this planet to change, we have to get out there and allow God to work through us. We can't be trying to send somebody else. We can't be trying to do all these other things, right? This your famous intercessor said, we didn't pray it all over America. We didn't pray it everywhere, but it seems to be getting worse. Yeah, he said, because with our prayers, we're not putting feet to our prayers. We should be praying for those people that are actually doing the ministry, but we don't know their name, right? We don't know their name. We don't take the time to get to know. You know, we, we scout the land out. We survey. We do historical perspectives and everything like that. You know, we're looking for all kinds of ties. And he said, but the people that are there, we don't pray for them. The ones who are going to actually do this work that we're praying and to be done. And he said that to shift their prayer focus and what they did, you know, and getting out there, you know, because, if you're praying for revival to take place and there ain't no church in that area, you know what I mean, where they going to go? You know, I mean, Houston is a warm climate. You can get away with a tent for a while. <laughs> you know, what we call fall, they call winter. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's like you, know, you still got to have somebody willing to give you the land to turn those things over to you and let it happen. We have to be God's answer. The church always chooses what makes them comfortable. And they don't choose what is right. We're arguing over whether we should participate in justice issues. You know, justice. We argue whether we should participate. We're trying to find scriptures. The very people who, who say the Old Testament doesn't apply to us, you know, we're not under that. Now, because if you want a scripture to testify most justice and reconciliation ministry, you got to go to the Old Testament. You know what I mean? You, gotta go, you know, all scripture is good. You know, I mean, that's all they had was Genesis to to Malachi. That's how they formed their doctrine. That's the Bible they walked around with. You know, we don't see the other other scripts being prominent till after uh, 
the, the council of, of Nisi, Nisi, whatever it was, you pronounce it, you know, getting in there and other people going down with the New Testament, right? Or, or these writings where they found the letters and incorporated them and went through and prayed about them, which letters to keep, which letters to throw away. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's how they determine what was there. You have to be God's answer. We are God's answer, right? When we drive through a neighborhood and we see the poverty in that neighborhood and we just keep on going, right? We only see the person that we work with is passed over for promotion, even though they're a good worker. You know what I mean? We don't step in. I'm not saying you got to step in and lose your job, nothing like that. When I say step in, that's when you start praying. That's that's when you start praying for those specific situations, for those strongholds to fall and come down, right? It shouldn't have had to be this long that you wrestle with the issue of slavery and reconciliation. It shouldn't have to be this long. I mean, you know, we've been looking at it now for, you know, hundred and what, hundred and fifty-one years, you know, and and yet we still have trouble on either side. No, it's not about being right, you know, socially. It's about being right biblically. If the Bible says it, and the Bible says we attack it, we attack it. Do what Scripture says, not what man says. Avoid being comfortable, and be right. Yeah, I bless y'all. Have a great week in the Lord. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.